the chapel and we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. Welcome back to episode 13A of the Discovering the Male Mysteries podcast. It's been quite a while since my last show. There are a number of things that have been taking up my time, everything from a new boss and a heavy workload at my job, to working on a number of personal and community projects outside my job, to working on my gay werewolf book. I was talking to someone relatively recently who commented that my podcasts are more meaningful because I record a podcast when I have something to say rather than recording a podcast frequently and filling it with fluff. So I'm going to go with that. That's been my plan all along. There's all sorts of news since the last podcast. For one, gay marriage is now legal in all of the United States, even if some folks refuse to recognize it. Folks are gearing up for the 2016 elections with top Democratic contenders so far seeming to be Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. The Pope has visited the U.S., and although he's relatively progressive on many issues, some have criticized his stance on folks like Kim Davis who refuse service to LGBT folks for religious reasons. In personal news, I attended Kafnia, a spiritual gathering for gay and bi-pagan men, for a second year in a row this past August. This event is run by great people, and the event nearly doubled in attendance this year to nearly 60 people. I've also started a couple of pagan men's groups in my local area. One is gay and bi-specific, and the other is a general pagan men's discussion group. My gay werewolf book is coming together. I have two chapters left to finish before the final copy is made available. I'm hoping to have this completed sometime this winter. I've been really surprised to find so much information. When I set out, I expected this would be a short book, and now I have enough material to write two to three books, which I probably will. For anyone who can't wait, I have a handful of limited draft editions that I printed up to sell at Kafnia. I still have some left, and I'm selling them for $7. If you'd like one, just contact me through my email on the Mail Mysteries website, and we can make arrangements. Today's show topic is Fifty Shades of Gay. I'm going to break this show up into two segments, with part two hopefully coming out fairly soon. It'll probably come out in the middle of the winter or early spring. Uh, That's just my best guess. In part one, I'm going to give a brief review and opinion of the Fifty Shades of Grey movie that many have found controversial. I know the movie has been out for a while, but I also plan to tie that into today's show topic. Gay marriage is legal now, but what other relationship options are available for gay and bi men outside of traditional monogamous marriage? Should we really be supporting traditional marriage as an institution, and will gay marriage help or hurt those in alternative relationship arrangements? Also in part one, I'll be talking about the history of marriage and what other types of marriage arrangements were common in the past and what criticisms and concerns the LGBT community and others have about marriage as an institution. Part two will be more about what other relationship arrangements are available to LGBT folks and even to straight folks. Many gay and bisexual men, dissatisfied with modern religions that struggle to accept and condone us, are hearing the call of the old gods, those gods and religions of antiquity that embraced us and recognized our inherent spirituality. While modern religions debate our worth as lovers, as priests, as sexual beings, the old gods and the old religions embraced us as sacred. 
We were their shamans, their priests, the intermediaries between the gods and mankind. Many of the gods themselves were homosexual, bisexual, or transgendered. These gods were untamed, vibrant, and sexual. Accept their call and their healing embrace. These are the male mysteries, and I'm your host, Mel Mystery. I'm impressed. Marriage is a binding, unifying, eternal, never-ending, permanent chaining together of two people. Jim, have you thought this through? Fifty Shades of Grey came out in theaters last February. I saw a trailer for it at some other movie in January, and I went into the theater relatively unaware what it was about. I knew the main male character was hot, the movie had erotic overtones, and that there was some BDSM involved. But really, a hot shirtless guy in the trailer was all it took to get me to the theater. As I watched the movie, I felt ever drawn into the charms of the main character, Christian Grey, played by Jamie Dornan. I felt so absorbed in the movie that I might as well have been the female lead, Anastasia Steele, played by Dakota Johnson. The experience was subjectively immersive. At the point where Christian first took off his shirt, all the women in the audience gasped with anticipation, and so did I. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and even ended up buying the book and later the DVD. I plan to read the other books in the series someday when I actually have some spare time, whatever that is. After watching the movie, I realized that there was some controversy over the movie coming from places other than the usual right-wing fundamentalists. I even received some Facebook shares from gay male friends urging folks to boycott the movie because of its depiction of women. I personally have to disagree with this view for a couple of reasons. For one thing, and something that impressed me throughout the movie and the book, is how much the consensual nature of the relationship was stressed. Christian Grey was reluctant to engage in the relationship. He had Anastasia sign a release form and a contract declaring her consent and her limits of what she would and would not do, and he even took the relationship relatively slowly as he gradually introduced Anastasia into the BDSM world. Anyone who watched the movie or read the book could also see that it was really Anastasia who had the power in the relationship, even though she was supposedly Christian submissive. She had spunk too and wasn't afraid to use it to negotiate the terms of the relationship in direction she wanted it to go. I also have to disagree that depicting a woman in a BDSM relationship is a negative depiction of women. Both women and men in real life are into BDSM. I've met a number of them. So long as it's voluntary and consensual, it's not for me to judge their sexual preferences. One thing I didn't like about the movie and the book is that there's an implication that Christian is emotionally damaged and that this has led him into the BDSM lifestyle. To me, it fosters an assumption that there's something wrong with people who are into BDSM. After all, why else would they be into it? The thing I especially liked about this movie, besides the steamy sex scenes, was how this is putting alternative sexuality out into the mainstream. This movie and other movies like it, such as Magic Mike, are putting out into the mainstream lifestyles and practices that people often judge, have misconceptions about, and look down upon. I think putting these things out there make them more human and less taboo. I want what any princess wants to live happily ever after.
With the ogre I married. As of this past June, gay marriage has finally been legalized in the United States. I support the right of any couple that wants to get married, but at the same time I have reservations about the institution of traditional marriage, regardless of whether it is heterosexual marriage or gay marriage. My main two reservations are, one, I don't feel that as a gay man my relationships have to be defined by straight relationships, and two, I'm concerned that with gay marriage being legal it might further marginalize those of all sexual orientations in non-traditional and alternative relationships outside of marriage, and that the LGBT community itself might come to marginalize those alternative relationships now that gay marriage is becoming mainstream. The LGBT community itself has gone in and out of favor the institution of marriage. LGBT activists of some earlier decades actually objected to marriage, whether it be heterosexual or homosexual. They were more interested in sexual freedom and stamping out gender inequality, among other reasons. The institution of marriage was considered sexist, heterosexist, and elitist. What we've come to know as traditional marriage, the nuclear family, a man, a woman, and 2.5 kids all living in one home is a relatively recent 20th century phenomena brought on by industrialization. Industrialization and migration to cities for jobs allowed for this type of arrangement. When people lived on farms and pursued agriculture as a primary vocation, people lived more commonly in extended family units, with extended family, multiple generations, and larger numbers of children all living in the same household. This allowed for more help, whether it be help raising children, carrying out household chores, or working on the farm. Sure, you had a primary unit of a man, a woman, and children, but you also had other relatives living in the same house, all helping out in some way. Traditional marriage often evokes a feeling of exclusiveness and privilege, at least to those who care to look. Some have even suggested the institution is elitist. You're an okay person if you're married, and you deserve benefits and tax breaks. If you're married, you're somehow a better person than the single parent, those who are single by circumstance or choice, those who are divorced, couples that are just living together, and those in non-traditional relationship structures. In human history, marriage often had very little to do with romantic love. In many cases, marriages were arranged or were enacted for economic or political reasons. In some countries, even today, this is still the case. In some cases, women were even seen as property, and even if they weren't, they were still seen as submitting to the man in the relationship. Marriage was also an institution formed for raising children and carrying on lineages and ensuring that inheritances went to the right place. Usually, inheritances were handed down to the males in the family. Marriage has often been used, especially among conservative and sexually negative cultures and religions, to restrict sexual access to only two heterosexual partners and only within the context of marriage. In these cultures, sexuality outside of marriage was looked down upon and even shamed. Premarital sex, extramarital sex, solo sex, homosexual sex, divorce, and sometimes even sex within marriage for pleasure rather than procreation are looked down upon and often punished in some way. Certain types of sexuality, even among consenting adults, has been and still is illegal. Marriage provided a means of legitimacy for the general ambivalence people in these cultures felt toward the sexual act. Even in our own culture, sex is not always seen as a form of adult play, but often as something shameful and hurtful that someone does to someone else, or something that gets done to them. Our ideas of marriage are also highly romanticized, and our fantasy ideals don't always measure up to the real world. 
The idea of two people falling in love, getting married, and living together happily ever after might be true for some, but for many it's just an ideal. So is the ideal that one person can be everything to you, your exclusive best friend, the love of your life, and your sexual partner for the rest of your life? If we fail to live up to these ideals, then we might even believe something is wrong with us or with the other person. Sometimes people grow apart, and other times they weren't right together in the first place. Sometimes people die young. Sometimes one or the other gives in to their natural drives and curiosity about relationships with other people. Men are often demonized for having extramarital affairs, even though there's a cultural double standard that men should both prove their virility and manhood by having sex with multiple partners, but also remain faithful to their spouses. Women are usually taught to save their virginity until marriage, even if that's a less common reality than it used to be. There may also be a biological imperative for men to spread their seed, either to ensure the survival of his DNA or the survival of the human species. The problem isn't that men have these urges, is that they're not honest with their partners, and that they've repressed their desires to the point that the ugly shadow side of their desires is forced to come out. Our romantic double standards come out in other ways, too. Men are often taught through culture and media to pursue the woman they are attracted to, even if she isn't initially interested. Women are taught to initially resist pursuit, even if they are interested. Take a look at all the movies, books, and other stories of men proving their love and eventually winning over their love interests. In simpler times, this was called courting. In today's world, the same thing might be considered stalking. We get all these mixed messages about what's expected and what's appropriate. It's all kind of a game, and if you're not attractive, if you're socially awkward, or if you don't know how to play the game, then you might be labeled as creepy. Some people cross the line even further, and then it, you get into issues like rape. All these issues come down to one or two overriding themes. Society wants to control and regulate sexual expression to exclusive monogamous state-regulated relationships. Sexual expression is regulated as a commodity and not something everyone has access to. This makes those that have it feel more important and privileged, and it opens up the door to look down upon and even penalize those who don't have sexual relationships or those with the wrong kinds of sexual relationships. This leads to people acting out their human nature and trying to hide it. It leads to people repressing their sexuality and eventually acting out their shadow side through extramarital affairs, sexual violence, and other means. Our sexual double standards also lead some people to be totally confused about what is and isn't appropriate or ethically sound. I really think if we were more open about sexuality and about our human nature, and if we truly allowed sexuality to exist in a myriad of types of relationships, and not just within very narrow guidelines, that many of these issues would disappear, or at least be greatly reduced. I don't want to paint an entirely bad picture of marriage. It can be a powerful rite of passage and an affirmation of the commitment of a couple. It can also create a nurturing environment for raising children. I grew up in a nuclear family, and my family has always been very important to me, even if I'll never form a traditional family myself. My concerns with ideas of traditional marriage have to do with how the concept is as it is now, and especially among religious and political conservatives. I don't like that marriage is an institution of privilege and benefit, and those not in a traditional marriage can be looked down upon and aren't truly equal in our society to those who are. What hideous sin have you committed lately? I got married. I didn't want to. It all happened so fast. Those proposing a return to the principles of biblical marriage should beware. Traditional marriage and biblical marriage are not the same thing. 
though many would have you believe they are. Biblical marriage included not just relationships where the man was in charge and the woman submissive, but also included men with many wives and concubines, polygamous marriages, men marrying their brother's widow, women marrying their rapists, and male soldiers taking on female prisoners of war as their wives. You thought Fifty Shades of Grey was controversial and depicted women in a negative way. Try reading the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Paul suggests that people shouldn't marry at all, but he relents that to marry is still better than to burn with desire. Same-sex marriage and other types of formalized same-sex relationships between men aren't really a new thing in human history, nor did they always mimic today's monogamous heterosexual marriages. In ancient Greece, homosexual relationships were common. Homosexual relationships between adolescent males and between older males and male youth weren't just accepted, they were an expected part of growing up. Everyone was expected to have gone through a formalized relationship in their youth with an older male who taught them how to be a good citizen and a warrior. If a male youth didn't have an older male lover, his character was brought into question. These sexual relations were expected, and parents of the youth even considered to these types of relationships. When men got older, they were expected to marry women and have families, though some men never got married and continued having homosexual relationships the rest of their lives. Other men had their marriages and had homosexual relationships on top of them, too. Homosexual relationships were especially common among warriors who spent long periods of time away from women and their families and who were instead spending most of their time among other men. Ancient Rome didn't have the same kind of homosexual relationships. They were probably fairly common early in Roman history, but at some point fell out of favor. One big issue came down to who played the passive role in these relationships. Romans were a proud people, and they didn't want their youth to be submissive. Instead, Romans frequently had sexual relationships with their slaves, whether these were male or female. The Celts were said to be very open and free about their sexuality. Celtic warriors sometimes hit on male warriors from other cultures and were insulted if they were turned down. It's also been said that they slept with a lover on either side. This may have been a male lover on one side and a female on the other, or it possibly might have been two male lovers. The Melanesians and many other cultures had similar relationships to the Greeks between older males and youth to teach them and to impart their virility through the sexual act and the transfer of semen. This appears to be a common thing among many different cultures. Sexual relations among same or similar age youth is also common in many cultures. Some have even suggested that these kinds of relationships seen in many cultures performed a social function by giving young males full of hormonal urges, a sexual outlet that didn't involve getting someone pregnant before the male was ready, able, or mature enough to form a family. Native American two-spirits, men who took on female dress and roles, were often said to marry other men and to be one of many wives married to a man. The other wives were usually biological females. Among the Mayans, adolescent males were given other males to serve as sexual partners until they were old enough to marry a woman and have a family. Often homosexual relations 
continued even after a heterosexual marriage, and sometimes the men would leave the marriage after the children were grown and move back in with their male lover. In many cultures, especially among warriors, blood brotherhoods held a special place. One or more men pledged allegiance to one another, and these bonds were considered stronger, took precedence, and were often held in higher esteem than heterosexual marriages. In some cases, these may have just been serious, non-sexual bromances, but in other cases they were homosexual relationships. In some cultures, a man might adopt a male lover as a brother or a son, and this was the legal and cultural equivalent of a heterosexual marriage. It provided a legal connection between the two. Among some spiritual traditions, and especially in monastery traditions, there is a concept known as spiritual brotherhood. Two men are best friends and have a very special spiritual bond, whether or not sex was part of the relationship. Even heterosexual marriage has held a myriad of variations in history. Marriages historically took place for political and economic reasons, rather than actual love or attraction. Arranged marriage between families was once common. Conquered women in war and battle were often taken on as wives, concubines, or slaves. Both female and male slaves were considered fair game for sexual relationships, though generally not marriage. In some cultures, a man would have a wife or several wives, but also have a number of concubines whose role was less than that of a wife. Some cultures practiced polygamy, where a man would have multiple wives, or polyandry, where a woman would have many husbands. Polyandry is common in Tibet and the Himalayan mountains. Fraternal polyandry involves two brothers marrying the same wife and having equal sexual access to her. In some cultures, you have tribes, clans, or other social groupings where open sexuality is accepted as long as it's within the group. In other social groupings, sexual relations are only acceptable if they take place with someone outside the group. Serial monogamy is also a thing where folks, regardless of sexual orientation, have exclusive relationships or even marriages with only one person, but then they move on to a new monogamous relationship once that relationship has run its course. So far, I've mentioned both homosexual and heterosexual relationships that were relatively accepted, if not formalized in their respective cultures. There are also a number of relationships types that are more controversial or looked down upon, and even sexual relationships outside of formalized relationships. In more recent times, we have an alternative swinger culture where heterosexual married couples get together and have recreational sex with each other's partners. Open marriages and open relationships are also something that exists in modern life. Sometimes partners are given something called a free pass or a hall pass. This is permission given to fool around with someone outside of the relationship, usually under a specific set of conditions. Extramarital affairs among married heterosexuals are relatively common and could become just as common in gay marriages now that gay marriages are legal. Recreational and anonymous <laughs> recreational and anonymous sexual relations are probably more common among gay people than straight people, though they are not unknown in the heterosexual world. In the gay world, it isn't uncommon for men to seek out casual sexual encounters at bars in bathhouses, in online chat rooms, or through modern apps like Grindr. In the past, when homosexuality was less acceptable or even illegal, some men cruised for sex at public places like parks and public restrooms. My list really wouldn't be complete without mentioning escorts, rent boys, prostitutes, courtesans, and the like. Men and women, straight, gay, and in-between, have made use of folks offering their sexual services throughout history. Some have even said this is the world's oldest profession. 
these tend to fall under the category of recreational sex. They tend to get a bad rap, especially in our sex-negative culture, but really they're providing a service. In some religions and cultures, sacred prostitutes filled a religious role. These included both women and men. So far, I've only really been talking about homosexual and heterosexual relationships. If you throw in bisexuals and transgender folks, the myriad of relationships gets even more complex. I've known bisexuals who were in heterosexual marriages, but also in a three-way with the same-sex partner given equal status to the married partner. The point I'm trying to make today is that traditional heterosexual marriage and gay marriage modeled after traditional heterosexual marriage are really only limited and narrow definitions of the types of human relationships that have existed throughout history. I suspect, in reality, there are far more than 50 shades when it comes to love, sex, and human relationships. I'd like to ask you one question. Go ahead. Do you think that girls think less of a boy if he lets himself be kissed? I mean, uh, don't you think that although girls go out with boys like me, they, they always marry the other kind? I'd like to end this show with a few things. One, I want to reaffirm that marriage is a valuable rite of passage and a public display of commitment for many people straight, gay, and in-between. My point in this podcast hasn't been to put down anyone's marriages or commitments. If anything, my point has been to broaden the definition of what types of commitments are possible and to give some legitimacy for those in alternative relationship structures. I also wanted to provide a constructive critique of the narrow definitions we have of marriage and relationships in our society. Another thing I want to end this show with is something to think about. What if our society stopped seeing sexuality and sexual relationships as negative, shameful, harmful feelings and acts? What if we stopped looking at sex as something that should only take place within exclusive monogamous relationships? What if we saw sexuality and sexual relations as a loving, intimate form of play rather than something someone does to another person? What if all consensual acts of sexuality were seen as meeting basic human needs of touch and intimacy? How would this affect how we see non-traditional relationships and non-traditional forms of sexual expression? Could we see triads and polyamorous relationships as loving relationships between more than two people? What about intergenerational relationships? If no harm was done and those in the relationship truly cared for each other, What about swingers or those in BDSM relationships if we looked at these relationships as a form of adult roleplay? If we saw sexual relations as meeting human needs for touch and intimacy, how would this change our views on casual sex or people having sex with paid escorts? If everyone could be honest and open about their sexual needs, how would this affect things like extramarital affairs? If sexual outlets were more open to people, and if people had outlets to play out their fantasies, even their darker ones, in a safe environment, would this cut down on things like rape and sexual violence? If society viewed sexuality as sacred rather than sinful, how would that change our perspectives on the myriad types of human relationships that are currently looked down upon? I don't know all the answers, but I feel the world would still be a better place. I'm interested in your thoughts. If you'd like to chime in, please feel free to send me your comments. I'd also like to mention that I do have a blog in addition to my podcast. Even there, I only post when I have something to say, so don't expect weekly or even monthly blog posts. But I do post there more often than I put podcasts together. It's a nice supplement to my podcast. My blog is located at http colon backslash backslash melmystery.wordpress.com http colon backslash backslash m-e-l-m-y-s-t-e-r-y 
www.wordpress.com, or you can find the link on my main webpage. I told you ogres don't live happily ever after! Thanks for listening to today's show. I know I promised Fifty Shades of Gay, and I talked more about Fifty Shades of Marriage. I'll talk more about other types of gay relationships in part two of this episode coming out soon. Some things I hope to talk about in the next episode include non-traditional relationship alternatives for gay and bi men, including open relationships, polyamory, master-slave relationships, intergenerational relationships, and more. In the meantime, if you're interested in the types of homosexual relationships that have existed throughout history, I highly recommend reading Same-Sex Marriage in Pre-Modern Europe by John Boswell, and also The Origin and Role of Same-Sex Relations in Human Societies by James Neal. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Discovering the Male Mysteries podcast. I'm your host, Mel Mystery. You can find out more about the show, including links to my blog and store site at http colon backslash backslash melmystery.matrixwerx.com. That's http colon backslash backslash melmystery.matrixworks.com. If you would like to submit original poetry or music, suggest a topic, guest host a segment, or share information relevant to listeners, you can find more information on how to do so, including my email address on the Mail Mysteries website. Thanks for listening. <laughs> well now, we call this the act of mating, but there are several other very important differences between human beings and animals that you should know about. Let's do it.